We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have a really, really cool episode. Um, we have our, our guest of the day is uh, Tizer Evans. He's a serial entrepreneur and just all around a really, really cool guy. And I'm sure John can attest to that. But basically, um, he he's the type of guy that came from humble beginnings and really understood the value of like, I guess the value of money, like even though like money is, of course, money is important and everything, but besides money, like the hustle and just like the impact he was able to make in it for for himself, for his family, it's just extremely impressive. And we're going to talk about his story and what he did, like what he had to sacrifice to get to his position now. Yeah. No, I think it was really good. There's a lot of good things to take from this, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or you just want to look for some personal improvement and time management skills. Yeah. So I guess uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. Yep. We're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement and it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. All right, Tizer, uh, could you just introduce yourself real quick? Sure. So my name is Tizer Evans. Uh, I guess you could best uh, classify me as a serial entrepreneur slash uh, sales seasoned professional uh, who has a really big hobby in, in reading and uh, personal development. Awesome. So you say, I know you said serial entrepreneur and the word entrepreneur or entrepreneurship comes up a lot in our, in like in every episode, but mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Like what have what have you done as a serial entrepreneur in your life so far? So, so far, I've had a craft beer company, a fly fishing company. Uh, well, really two craft beer companies and a fly fishing company. I started with my brother. Uh, helped my wife um, successfully launch uh, her two companies that I help her assist with. And then working on my third company, which will be a, a podcast web application company that uh, the application actually will be done in about three weeks. Ooh. Uh, is this, is this still behind closed curtains or can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, no, I, I can talk about it. Something you, you both probably can relate to. So, you know, being a podcast host myself, I found it challenging to find qualified guests and a lot of like these matching services that will, you know, guests that want to come on shows, you know, to talk about their expertise. It's very hard to qualify them. And then once you join the sites, uh, kind of like a dating site, right? You typically didn't get spammed. And then, and for me and like yourselves of bigger shows, you start to kind of get overwhelmed with the amount of the requests that you're getting per day. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is so messy. It, it just feels kind of chaotic. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm still, I'm working full time, you know, I'm helping my wife with her company. You know, we're, we're doing, we've got two kids, right? I coach basketball. There's like a bunch of stuff going on in our lives. We've got dogs, you know, traveling and, um, so I'm like, this has got to be a better way for me to be able to filter through this. So I thought about like a dating 
apps and like how they work. And so I kind of thought of an idea. What if I took match.com and I kind of mixed it with Bumble and Bumble in the sense that you're putting how Bumble, all the, the women have the control of whether or not they want to engage with the men. Right. And so I took that same type of premise and it's whether or not the host want to engage with the guest that would open up a chat type feature. So we're creating profiles. So you as a host would be able to have a really good indication on the, the guest qualifications based on like a trailer or rating system and mm-hmm. um, some links that you'll be able to see like right away as a pop-up of whether or not you want to connect with them or not connect with them. That's kind of the idea. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to make the comment because we connected through Audrey and did you, I don't know if prior to you starting this new opportunity, you knew about Audrey or this was just a recent thing connecting with us, but did you take anything from them or I, I guess, yeah. So, you know, Audrey is a, is a really cool platform as well. You know, I like uh, Audrey, I think Audrey Podmatch and, and Matchmaker are the kind of the ones I've, you know, kind of explored and Audrey, um, what I like about it is the collaboration aspect, right? So you can there's definitely things that I like. I would probably like to improve on, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a ton of features I'd like to improve on, but I did like the collaboration aspect, and I like how you can uh, monetize your podcast through that by advertising. You know, if you want to do an ad or uh, if you want to do a collaboration that might lead to monetization, I think that that's important for people who are trying to do this full time. So I liked how that they incorporated that. Yeah. So I guess is your mindset, like you said, monetizing, being able to monetize in the future or at some point. I guess the idea of being a serial entrepreneur is figuring out in all facets of your life and all your passions, being able to develop things that you could eventually monetize as well, right? Or what's your... Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I never thought, I had never really thought about it with the podcast. You know, it was, that was really an altruistic thing that I, I wanted to give back to sales professionals. The first, I think, 95 episodes I did on my podcast was just me talking to people about things I experienced in the sales world. Um, but as you know, it takes a lot of time, money, and energy, you know, to, to create podcasts and to curate it and to, to promote the social media. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm more interested in moving forward is is in monetizing it. So at least it just pays for itself, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've definitely been – we tried ads. We took a little break and now we're thinking about getting back into it on social media like Instagram stuff. Uh, I feel like that's certainly an effective way to you know, boost exposure. And I feel like at the early stages before you can get it to that point that at least it's, you know, not costing you any money to do, uh, it's really beneficial. Yeah, it, definitely. But when it comes to other things, definitely, if I, if I want to be involved in it, it's like anything, right? What's my ROI? If I, my friends make fun of me, uh, because like I have a lady that comes and picks up my dog poop, like, right? Like I've got three dogs and, and two are pit bulls and I pay her $75 a month and she comes, picks up my dog poop, you know, I mean, like once a week and they're like, that's ridiculous. But I'm like, it's yeah, but I'm thing. so yeah, exactly. I'm so busy with my life that yes, if I'm spending time in it, I do want it to make me money. Yeah, I would say the podcast is probably the only thing I've done in the last ten years that I haven't tried to have some type of return on. Is it something maybe you're looking for? Like you just said, break even. But if the opportunity arose, I don't think you'd turn down it being an income stream, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, definitely not. And and I think that, you know, it's definitely probably been an income stream that's been unrealized by way of connections. And I'm sure you, you both have, right? Like I've met 
incredible people. One of the people that was I was I attended virtually the 10x growth conference with Grant Cardone this year. I, typically, I go in person, and this year just happened to fall on my birthday, so I stayed home to spend time with my family. But one of the guys that was on my podcast was one of the the 10x stage uh, 10x uh, stage speakers, and. And it was, it was just kind of cool to see like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Like you feel like you're starting to progress and move in the right direction. You're like, okay, well, I know somebody that knows somebody that I want to talk to. And so it just helps you kind of put the pieces together because I think that the more I've learned, I mean, always improving your skill set is really important. But the more you improve your social network is is equally, if not more important. For sure. One, yeah. One of the – I'll let you speak after a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't given you any time. But – uh yeah, I feel like the networking aspect too. Another side comment is like growing up, I played a lot of sports and I did a lot of extracurricular activities and my parents like to keep us busy. And I met a lot of people that way, of course. I've been able to rekindle these relationships that I haven't spoken to people in maybe six, seven, eight years. And now we're able to come back and we're, we are luckily have a similar vision and we're able to collaborate. And I've had those people come on the podcast and then it kind of just jump starts that relationship again. And now we can both provide value to each other as well. That's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. Especially that yeah. you kind of dug back and, and reached back to people that you've that already, you know, that are you're credible with, right. That's so important for relationships. Social media helps a bit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Ahmed, did you want to say something? Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask you, Ty, about how your sales experience, does that tie into your like podcast uh, like techniques or what you try to do, how you try to basically sell your podcast to potential listeners? You know, I, I think with the podcast, I definitely, you know, I try to come across as authentic and that's how I feel. I've always been successful as a salesperson. I've had a really, you know, a good, good 17 years in sales. It's been really good to me financially. And, and I reason I feel like it has been is because I'm just direct and transparent. And so, you know, with the podcast, it's just been the same way. I'm just direct and transparent with my questions. And there's nothing for me that's really off the table, you know, when it comes to like my childhood or my background or, you know, even like my relationship with with my wife or my kids, you know, that I don't get into that a lot of it, you know, with on a sales and business podcast. But I think that when those elements come up of like, how do you manage having two kids and three dogs and your wife has a business, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. How do you manage those parts? I try to be a raw and as authentic as possible. And I'm the same way with the people that I serve, you know, um, my clients, it, I just, I'm always myself, uh, unapologetically and, and people buy authenticity more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, another, like a follow-up on that is I know you're, you're talking about how, you, you basically you run multiple companies and your wife runs like her companies as well. How like how do you do all of that in a single day? And like what what does your day typically look like? Uh, <laughs> every day is a little bit different, so it's just got to be really structured. You know, um, I have one of my older reps, uh, old sales reps, left me like a, a LinkedIn recommendation, which was really nice. But it was interesting if you read like the first like two sentences he's like tizer's militaristic in his approach with how he attacks his day and it really is i don't know because my, my dad was 101st class airborne in the army uh in vietnam and, and he you know has that type of special forces type mentality mm-hmm. where you know if you're not 15 minutes you're late and so i kind of grew up with that 
kind of like hardcore mentality uh, of working hard and doing more and doing extra and being super organized and efficient with your time. So like in high school, I think that for me, a lot of people don't understand this about my journey and I don't really talk about that much as much as I should, but like in high school, uh, for whatever reason, we had a rotating schedule. So in my high school, we had seven classes. I had eight all four years. So I had a zero period. Uh, I was a triathlete scholar. I was ASB vice president. I did interact club. You know, I was in speech and debate. I, I competed nationally for speech and debate. And, and so, it, you know, when you, you develop that type of crazy schedule at an early age, it helps me now as an adult, you know, looking back 20 years, I'm th- I just turned 38 last Friday. My skill set now, like this morning, I was up at 430. I'm up at 430. Is that I'm really fanatical with my my morning schedule. So when I start my day, it's really important for me to get my my personal time with myself. So I'm up at four thirty, uh, typically out of bed. Yeah, I kind of do like a little bit of a gratitude practice and opening and waking up the first 10, 15 minutes, and then I'm usually out of bed by four forty five, and then I'm just starting to hydrate. And I think you'll hear this consistent across a lot of uh, you know what I would call peak performers is starting the day early. Some people don't believe in it. I've seen it change my life. You know, I've five decks my income since I've started doing this um, in the last five, six years. And I go right into meditation. I go right into reading, journaling. I do uh, Wim Hof breath work. And then I'm usually at the gym by six. And in that type of structure early on in the day kind of sets the precedent and the tone for my day. So I do it seven days a week. And then I, when I get to work, uh, or I show up because I work from home, I write down what I call a power list. And my power list is f- three to five action items that if my whole day goes crazy and I can't accomplish anything, if I only accomplish those three to five action items, it moves the needle for tomorrow. So I always accomplish that by noon. I just, in the, in the event that, you know, my day gets taken away from me. Um, but I make sure that, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet Damon John a few years ago and I asked him that I said the same thing. I'm like, man, how do you run like a billion dollar company? Your dad, like your shark tank, you all this stuff. And he goes, I make every se- I make every second of my day count. And so I try to hold myself to that same standard as flawed as I am. Um, so every, everything's scheduled even on the weekends, like what we do. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to the Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, like, at what point did you start doing this? And how long did it take you to get to this point? Because over the past, I'd say more or less a year and a half-ish since I started to like get this new mindset, being an entrepreneur, trying to generate my own income, slowly and slowly, piece by piece, I've been, you know, adding another layer of discipline on like 
picking up another thing, getting better at time management, waking up a little earlier, making sure I I do this, this, and this every day. When, yeah, I guess, could you run us through the the evolution of that? Because sometimes I feel like I'm there and then other days I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you're never going to be perfect, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. You, you got to give yourself grace because um, there's definitely days where I'm flawed or, you know, like my birthday and, you know, I, I had too many I, IPAs. I wake up a little hungover. You know, I'm not getting up at 430. Maybe it's 530, but I still I still press myself to get up. So that's just the, the, the mindset. It's just the habitual routine where for me, like when I don't do those things, it haunts me. Like it haunts me all day. Well, go yeah, I feel like that's where I've I mean, it, it's not even necessarily something that's like a consistent struggle, but the days that I do, or I don't feel like I lived up to everything that I could give, I didn't give everything I had. Maybe I scrolled on my phone for a little bit longer than I would have liked, or, you know, I definitely could have gotten this action item done if we we can refer to it as that, but I didn't get it done. And now I have to get it done tomorrow. Like sometimes I feel like even that will carry me into the next day and I'm trying to get better. Like, all right, it didn't get done today. Let's just move on to tomorrow. That's how I look at it. So one of the things that, you know, one of the best books I read was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And so I built myself out like an Excel template. He talks about what he calls is the rhythm register. And it's basically like if you take like your macro goals for the year, right? You take your macro goals. And what I do is I take my macro goals from like my one, my three, five, and 10-year visions. And I draw a roadmap to those goals. And so, if, especially on your one-year roadmap, you're kind of, I like to reevaluate monthly and quarterly. And so, using something like the rhythm register, you can start to see, like, it's it's an everyday thing. So, if I'm in sales and I know that statistically my closing ratio is X and so my conversion ratio is Y, then I need to make, you know, this many phone calls to get this many appointments, to get this many prospects in the doors, to get this many, you know, deals closed, right? Gotcha. And, and so if I miss a day because I'm having an off day, but my goal was to make 35 calls when I make 25, I'm just mentally a little off. Like I stayed up too late. I got in a fight with my wife or, you know, my kids being an asshole, whatever it is. Yeah. Then I just add it on to the next day. So I just try to, okay, I have to, I messed up because it was my responsibility to get it done. There's no excuses why I didn't get it done. Life happens. Right. And I got to double down. And so for me, I just become that way. I kind of like you're always self evaluating. And that's why I think for me, journaling every day is very important because it allows me to express my frustration of what I didn't get done or to congratulate myself what I did get done and to have some reflection. And then I can plan my day accordingly uh, based on how my day went the day before. But most people, don't take the time to reflect. They, they don't journal about their goals. They're, they don't have a focus of where they're going. So there's no reflection on what they have just done. So it's great that you're at least there and you're recognizing I've got off days. It's just how can you make it up? Yeah, yeah, I feel like at this point, it's more just trying to file it down to the science of less outlier days. But Yeah, and, and I think it is, it's getting really just crystal clear on what you're like – your core fundamental goals are and then like what you need every day to accomplish that. And, you know, there's long days. Like there's lots of times I sit in, in, in bed with my wife and we both got our laptops and we've got like little laptop trays for our bed that we literally have on the side of our bed. And it's 1030 and her and I are working away. And, and it just like is what it is because we accept that like, you know, what's, what's that saying? You know, you, you sacrifice for the things you want or you sacrifice the things you want, you know? And so we're just, yeah. uh, we're, we'll sacrifice a little sleep to, to get the life we want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like we, like 
the fact that you journal on a daily basis, it helps you definitely stay on track with like your like one year goal, your three year goal and your 10 year goal. But I guess in terms of your mode of journaling, are you a pen and paper kind of guy or do you do this on a laptop or something like that? No, definitely I'm pen to paper. I, I think that just for me, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I think for me, it, it helps to imprint it. If my hand has to write it and I'm doing the work of writing it, I, don't, I think pen to paper for me uh, on, on a subconscious level just helps to imprint it better. Yeah, I think uh, I, I know for sure John is that way and he probably has his his like notebook or his journal like within an arm's reach, right, John? Well, yeah, I mean, I have my planner, which is pretty much my lifeline, just because when there's so many things going on, I realize that in order to take some stress and energy off my brain, getting it on paper and just having it be there for me to look at was something that I could do to make it easier. Uh, but I don't necessarily journal every day, like personal thoughts. It's more like when I wake up, as soon as I open my eyes, I'm thinking, okay, what are my goals for mm-hmm. today? And are they like in line with my long-term goals? And then in what order do I need to complete them kind of thing? Like just like a a loose plan for my day. Uh, I do journal every day for trading though. Like after I make a trade, I will, you know, journal whether it's a win or a loss. I log it in a Excel sheet I made that calculates percentages and, you know, you're selling like, the same much. thing for my for my crypto and NFT, NFTs yep. and even uh, sport cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Just sometimes, you know, when you're up late and, and you might not necessarily want to do some stuff that's taxing on your brain, but you're, you're like, all right, I'm just going to start organizing stuff. And then you start going crazy with Excel, and then now you have a an in depth plan of everything. <laughs> but I wanted to bring up the fact that Ty just mentioned NFTs and crypto which is a pretty large and recurring topic on our podcast. So, Ty, do you want to talk about your experience in those spaces? Yeah, the crypto space, the NFT space is new to me. Um, you know, I, I, I only have uh, two that I minted that are, you know, kind of like uh, offshoot projects that I thought were cool that, it, you know, I read about and I, and I liked. Um, the, the crypto space, I got into about 2017. You know, I would say... If someone were like, hey, Ty, what are you politically? I tell people like I don't believe in the right left paradigm. I would say I'm, I'm more libertarian um, at heart. You know, that, that's just the way that I vote and the way that I am as a person. Um, and, and because I've, I've been such a strong libertarian since, I don't know, 2006, seven, um, way before it was cool. And so that was one of the first movements that really embraced cryptocurrency. And so I heard, I heard it early on from Max Kaiser back in like 2010, 11. And so it intrigued me because I liked the idea of not having a central bank involved with cryptocurrency because I, you know, I read a lot about, I've read uh, what's his EG Griffin's book on, uh, you know, the federal reserve act of 1913 is the creature of Jekyll Island. It's, uh, it's like a 700 page book on and how the federal reserve act came into play. So I was, a, I was a huge proponent of crypto in general and, and an early adopter as far as like following it, tracking it, didn't buy it, buy it when I should have, uh, cause I was broke and you know, made excuses, uh, which I regret now, but I got into it in 2017 and I've made a lot of money from it. You know, it's been great. I, I love the technology piece of it. I think it's going to change the world. I think you're crazy. It's the biggest wealth transfer of our generation right now. Um, yeah. I spent the majority of this week looking at virtual real estate, to be honest with you. I spent some time looking into that too. That's something in the future when I feel like because I'm still early in the, the, 
entrepreneurial process and financial freedom, uh, you know, adventure. I do want to get in. There's like plenty of projects that I want to get into or I'm interested in like virtual real estate, but I feel like my wealth could be much better utilized in like a safer asset right now. Like actual real estate. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking in the next like year or two to pur- purchase my first uh, rental or investment property, but awesome. I feel like yeah. at some point down the road, virtual real estate will be just as a effective of you know a vehicle to invest your money. But right now, it's definitely high risk, but the reward would be much higher as well. So if you have that capital to expend, you could turn a you know, a smaller size investment and get much greater returns. I don't know if you know the 10, uh, 80, 20 rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it basically falls into something like that too, but yeah. All right. and, and, and I, I just, that's what it allured me to it. Right. Is because I was, you know, as I mentioned to you guys, I'm 38, right. So uh, I graduated high school in 2002. So, you know, I was that, that generation that was like learning the internet, right. Like as it was coming about, like right as I was, you know, 11, 12, 13. And so I didn't get to be a part of the dot com boom. And then like Zuckerberg's my age. And so I joined Facebook in 2005, you know, right? Like when you still had your college had to be registered with Facebook to get on Facebook. <laughs> I couldn't get on Facebook because my I went to a smaller college. And, and and I feel like I missed that, that, that whole kind of transition. I would say the first company that I built that went um, global that I was able to sell I was able to build that a lot off of Instagram. So I kind of caught that wave and I, and I saw the power of that building it off of Instagram. And so I kind of saw this as like, ah, shit, I kind of missed out on the, the internet stuff a little bit in the early stages, but I can catch this NFT and crypto wave and, and create a lot of wealth for my family. Yeah, of course. And um, so with your, your first company, you said you went global. What kind of products or services did you provide to your customers? So it's kind of a crazy uh, deal with that whole first thing. You know, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to have a, a company. And my father-in-law has been really successful entrepreneur. Um, at one point, he had the the, the uh, largest grossing Taco Bell in the country. And he, he owned like 70, 80 franchises, uh, Taco Bells, Wendy's, Sonics and stuff. And so I, I go to him a lot for counsel. And I said, hey, man, you know, I want to get start to look at getting out of my nine to five or create an asset on the side. And he goes, hey, man, you, you pound beers more than anybody I know. You're always drinking. You're always talking about these these different IPAs and these stouts. And he's like, well, why don't you – he owns a chain of restaurants. He's like, so why don't you learn how to brew beer and I'll let you carry your own brand of beer in my restaurant. Great opportunity. So I started mm-hmm. learning how to brew beer. Long story short, not a great brewer. Uh, I brewed about 50 of my own beers, but you know, these guys got biochem degrees that, you know, they're master brewers. But I had also worked in the surf industry because I went to college in San Diego and I saw a correlation that like people that are in the beer industry are hardcore. And just like people that are into surfing are hardcore. It's a lifestyle for them. It's like what they do. And so you have lifestyle brands that we're all familiar with, whether you surf or not, like O'Neill, Quicksilver, Billabong. Um, if you're really into surfing, like you got, you know, Ruko Bay, you know, different types of stuff. And then, and I'll call channels into skating and, um, and snowboarding. So long story short, I said, Hey man, what if I created a craft beer lifestyle brand? I worked in the surf industry. I saw how that worked. I know retail. And I noticed that craft beer snobs are like really big into proper glassware. This may come surprise some people, but if you're into wine, you know, there's certain types of wine glasses used for certain types of wine. Same thing with craft beer. So I said, well, I'm going to focus on the, the, the glassware 
and go after the hardcore enthusiasts. But my 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 money maker is going to be like the shirts and stuff. So I uh, got together with a graphic designer um, who was a really good friend and had a great artistic eye. And I said, "Hey, here's my thing. I want to make an edgy like Obey. If you're familiar with Obey propaganda and Shepard Fairey and that whole vibe, like I wanted that, but in the craft beer industry." And um, so that's kind of what we created and had a kind of a, an occultism type theme with using some Mason symbology and, um, and people dug it. They're like, Oh, this is artistic. It's not like a, it's not a cheesy craft beer shirt that it, you know, they, these people want to rep stuff when they go to festivals or they're posting their beer picks online. It's a whole subculture. And so mm-hmm. we went after a hardcore little niche and it just, it just took off from day one. It was, it was pretty crazy. That's awesome. So did you know anything about, glassware or t-shirt like i know you said you had a lot of help from a graphic designer and obviously i I think collaboration it leads to success and um you you i feel like you need you need other people to help you to get to where you want to be but did you know anything about like textiles or glass making beforehand zero yeah. I, I knew I knew nothing about apparel, glass, or nothing. You know, um, even with like the, the company I was saying about, it's called Alchemy Cast, right? The web application company. I don't know shit about technology. Like, I, that's not like what I do. But I know it's a good idea, and I can pay people to help me fulfill my vision. And, and so that's kind of the way I saw with the craft beer thing. I was like, I don't know anything about it, but one, I'm a smart guy. I have a great work ethic, so I just went and bought as many books as humanly possible on people that have started breweries in the craft beer industry. I read books on yeast, on water, on, on different types of hops. So like I had a full spectrum. I could go talk to a master brewer about his process and what he does in his brewery. And so when I had interviews about my company and I told people I was a home brewer and they would question me on my authenticity about like, well, okay, well, what's top fermentation versus, you know, down type uh, top uh, fermentation. You could talk to them about it. So, you know, I did, I did my homework and I learned a lot in the process, which was a lot of fun. Awesome. I feel like, yeah. uh, I mean, an important part of being an entrepreneur is not being an expert on everything you're doing because your hand is involved in so many things. It's almost impossible to become a subject matter expert on everything. You have to just be able to find the right people to do what you need to get done really making things happen. Totally. And you know, when I, the first 10 X I went to Ty Lopez was there and the thing that he said that like rang true and something I just always did naturally. Um, he was like, if you've got a great business idea, start it within two weeks, like no excuses. Like just start it within two weeks because that's the thing that hinders most. I always, you know, you're you on I, it, yeah. right. You sit on it. I, oh, I had a great idea. Oh, somebody stole my idea. Well, just go fucking do it. You know, yeah. and, and if you got the idea, just go execute right away. And so for me, that's what I try to do. I just jump into things I don't know about even career, you know, uh, positions. When I moved from California to Georgia, although it was in insurance, I took a completely different segment within insurance I knew nothing about. I wasn't licensed for and I moved my family across the country on a gamble on myself. And I think you, you got to do that in life if you want to level up and you, and you want, you know, big risk, uh, big reward, right? Yeah. I feel like that's, I feel like I resonate with what you're saying just because every time that I didn't act on something, I 100% regretted it. But every time I acted on something in the events that it went wrong and I did fail, 
oh, I, I never regretted any part of that. I learned something, you know, I made sure that I internalized what went wrong, what went right, what I did good, what I did wrong and what I'd want to do next time. And I feel like with the position too, I was in one sector of engineering, uh, like military and aerospace, which is like more embedded systems. I don't need to get into it too much, but I made a jump into it like a web development startup. So it's still engineering, but it's entirely different. I, on top of everything that I'm doing on the job, I was learning an entirely different skill set. but I felt like I would rather do that chasing something that would make me happy than sit in a position that I was not happy in. And I feel like that, and I don't want to say this from a point that it's like I'm on, on a high horse. It's just, I've, I've been there and I realize now that I'm, I've made the decision and took that leap. Usually you don't because you're just afraid of what would happen if it doesn't go right. Totally. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. That That's what it, it's that, that saying, and I'm going to butcher it because I always do, but it's like, it's better to, you know, stick with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't, you know, type deal. Right. And so that's what most people are afraid of is like the what if the the long shot hypothetical keeps people from their dreams. And I've just got a point or like, I don't know, maybe because I grew up poor and I kind of took a risk even moving to San Diego for college. I had, you know, a thousand dollars to my name that I had got working at Ace Hardware my senior year of high school and moved to San Diego with no help and had to work two jobs seven days a week. So maybe I come with a different mentality that like, I have nothing to lose because I've already been poor. You know, I already know what that feels yeah. like, you know? So I don't really care. I can go back there again. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world, but the worst thing in the world to me is the, what if, you know, the dying with regret. I, I don't, I don't want to ever have to live with that. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and check out our coupon code below. If you're interested to utilize their tools, because this has been a, a personal, like internal thing that I've had to go through over the past couple of years to get, I mean, I'm still growing and still have a lot of growing to do, but to get to the point that I'm at now, I pretty much had to question all of the things that I was doing at one point in time because I was doing things just because that's what I thought was supposed to happen. And then I sat back and I was like, wait, I'm actually not happy. So I could yeah. either take take a risk and it fails or I don't take the risk and I'm still unhappy. So at least I have a chance right. to be to be in a right. better situation or doing something that I'm passionate about. I, I totally, you know, and I'll, I'll give you guys a, a, a quick short story, but I was in a, not a great situation, you know, a couple months ago uh, with uh, a position I was at at a company. We just culturally didn't really align on a, on a lot of different issues. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. You know, I've got money. Like I don't, I don't need to stress about that because I've been you know, because I've been so financial, I've always had a scarcity type mindset. So I save yeah. like a crazy person, um, which really annoys my wife because she comes from the other side of the track. So she loves to spend money. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable, dude. My household is unbelievable. It's unreal. Our conversations sometimes was like we're from Venus and from like, you know, fucking uh, Jupiter. It's yeah, like, you guys are <laughs> on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, gee, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable uh, how different we are when it comes to our money mindsets, which is great because she helps to, to to kind of break me, but just to level you, yeah, ground you, yeah. yeah. But but the point, but the point of the conversation, I, I just kind of like walked out like you did. I was just like, you know what, this isn't for me. Like culturally aligned on the line, I left a lot of money on the table, and I said I'm not going to do it. I went out on my own. I said I started making money on my own, which was crazy the first week, um, and then 
and then kind of just recently just like an opportunity dropped to my lap and offered me more money and equity in a company uh, that I, I could never have imagined. And, and so sometimes as again, it was just that risk, that intuition, it wasn't right for me. I listened to my heart and I said, this, is, this isn't good for me. It, it, you know, I'm not being respected. I'm not being valued. And so I just left, you know, and I just kind of left it up to chance. And if I do the right things, the right things will come to me. And, and that's the way I've always felt. And that was just one of those reconfirming ideas that I've put in the work and, and good stuff happens to people put in the work. Yeah. And I feel like a hundred percent of the situation wasn't something you felt that you aligned with then perfect reason to go out on your own or look for other opportunities. But I feel like the best part about being in the country that we're in and having the ability to, you know, have some freedom about where you work is even if it, there wasn't a problem at your workplace, even if you just felt like you wanted something new, that's also a perfectly valid reason to go look for something else. Ahmed, I don't know if you want me to keep this in the podcast, but he's at a place right now that he doesn't have many complaints. Mm-hmm. He just feels like he's ready to take on more and ready for a bigger responsibility. Yeah. And if his current opportunity can't offer him that he's, you know, already has opportunities set up with really great companies. I mean, you can speak on that more if you want. Yeah. I'm always open to talk about it, but uh, yeah. So Ty, like before we started recording, I was telling you about how, I work as a process engineer and I manage the scale up of our products from like concepts to things that people put on their face and bodies. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, even though like the, the job seemed awesome to me. And I think, I think the job would probably be great for people who want to work in the field of process engineering or like some kind of chemical or chemistry backgrounds. It's a cool job and everything, but I just, in my current role, I I came in as an entry-level engineer straight out of college. And um, I haven't been with the company for two years yet, but my manager, like during my first yearly evaluation, he was telling me, he was like, yeah, you're doing great. You're exceeding like all my expectations and, management expectations but uh due to like company policy like we can't we can't promote you so like yeah like that that's basically it and we also we're not allowed to give you a rating over satisfactory because that's just our policy that in the first year you have to get the average rating and i was like i mean i i appreciated his transparency and my manager is probably one of the best aspects of my job but i was like what like by telling me this, I feel like you're de-incentivizing me to continue to try to excel in my job. So a few months of this go on. And like, I just, I feel like I don't have enough on my plate. Like, I feel like I have, like I, there's a lot more that I can do, which is why I'm seeking out opportunities now in tech, which is a field that I'm much more interested in. Don't know nearly enough about to like feel comfortable moving into it, but like, whatever like i guess i could i'll learn as i go like that's just i guess how life is and i think ty that you and john you guys both were like resonating with the idea of if you believe that like your current situation ain't it like you gotta you gotta make the moves you gotta do what is best for you to get into that better position yeah a hundred hundred percent and i think that that's powerful you shared that because there's a lot of people that are going through your current situation 
and not knowing what to do or not having the courage to talk about it or even feel those feelings. Right. And I think it, for me, I grew up in a really chaotic environment. Um, but the, the one thing that my dad really instilled in me was just like, you know, your self integrity is worth more than anything. And, and yeah. so for me, anytime I feel that that is somewhat in jeopardy or that I'm not in a position to grow and people aren't wanting to support my growth, I got to go. I got, I got to yep. like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, I, I, I've known of, of, I, I don't know. I mean, not, not because of COVID and, and that stuff, but just in general uh, of car crashes and cancer. I've known of four people in their thirties personally that have died in the last 12 months. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like I, yes. I don't have time to waste. Yeah. So, so I'm not trying to waste time on stuff that doesn't matter to me or people who don't support me or don't want to believe in my vision or believe in my ability. It, like we, we got to go, we got to move on. Like it's, it's, it's all too short. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think some, like by mentioning that, like one thing that I think is important for anyone to realize is that your days on this earth are limited. Right. And like you, you don't know when, when you're going to die. Right. It could be like, you could live a, a full life, live, like live till a hundred or it, it could end prematurely. So like at that moment, whether it's, whether it's a natural death or not, you want, you want to know that you're at least content with where you are in your life. And of course you always want to keep improving on yourself and never get complacent. But I feel like at some point you reach a level where you feel like, yes, like this is where I wanted to be. This is where I needed to get to. And you feel like that level of self-accomplishment. So yeah, right now chasing it and, uh, hoping hoping to uh to relay some good news in a few episodes no awesome man well i i hope that you do and and i was and i've been reading um i don't know if you guys ever read it but the the magic of thinking big by uh dr david schwartz it was written back in the 50s and and it kind of he reiterated one of those points that he was talking about you know uh, a point in the book but like if you were if you were given six months to live right now like how would you mm-hmm. how would you spend it yeah you know what I mean? If if everybody came from that type of mentality every day, like we'd be living in a way different type of world. Like I feel crazy. Like there would be a lot less drama or like people starting unnecessary problems with people because we'd all be focused on chasing our vision and chasing our goals every day. Right. Since I've started doing this, you know, I've had a lot of people, you know, even reach out and ask me like, are you okay? Like you have so much on your plate. Like it, is this really what you want to do? And then when I, when I sit down and give them my honest opinion, and I told this to Ahmed as well, I talk about this with my girlfriend all the time. I think I am a hundred percent the happiest I've ever been, even though I have the most on my plates because I wake up every day and I have all these things that I'm passionate to chase after. You know, when, when the podcast is a little slower, we don't have a recording for a few days. I have, you know, the trading that I do every day or, you know, I've also taken up reading books and self-improvement books and trading books, uh, on top of, you know, finishing my master's and everything, but everyone else from the black box knows what I'm into already. I don't need to <laughs> go over it, but it, it's just a point that, yeah. Uh, like when you have goals that you're chasing after all the time and you're passionate to wake up every day and just go get them relent, uh, relentlessly, you're going to find some form of happiness in that. I feel like you, you have to, or then you're not going after the right things. 
Def- definitely. Yeah, well, I read. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever read the um, monk who sold his Ferrari. No, I have by, not read that by Robin. But I'm intrigued. Uh, Robin Sharma. In in it, it's it, it's basically a story of like a high, uh, like a high seasoned lawyer. He's he's one of the best in the country, best litigators in the country, and he ends up having like a a heart attack in the middle of the courtroom, like in his in his mid fifties. And um, he realizes like that's not the way to live, right? And so he escapes and he goes to the Himalayas and he ends up living with monks. And he comes back as like completely reformed with how he sees like life, and, and it and it's kind of going along with this. Like even as a monk, though, he had defined purpose in his day, and so they had goals, and he had goals on like what he wanted to do. He had goals on like meditation, and and goals on how to learn how to do like basket weaving, like different types of things. And so there's like human beings, my point of like telling that story, one, it's a, it's a beautiful book. It's a lot about how to find fulfillment and how to look at, have a healthy work-life balance with being like a high powered lawyer, but how do you do that and be spiritually sound and emotionally and mentally and physically sound, right? Like how do you incorporate mind, body, spirit into everything that you do? But a big part of what, what he, what he's talking about, is you know kind of taking us taking a step back and, and taking it one day at a time and finding meaning in everything that you do that you know you're kind of talking about yeah for sure and um I, I i don't know i feel like we like lately with the our past couple of recordings we've been talking a lot about just like vul- like your vulnerability as a human like any like at any moment anything could happen to you and I feel like be, because of that, that should be just like an even stronger reason for you to want to get to where you want to be and as, as like, do it as soon as you can without like without burning yourself out. Totally. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what life is about, right? It's about growth and fulfillment. And, and, and you should do those things that, that do fulfill you. I'm not always a huge proponent of like, just go after your passion and that's all you do. I think that sometimes you got to endure things you don't want to do because that also promotes growth. But while you're doing enduring the things you don't want to do, you're continuing to learn skills, about the things you do want to do, um, where a lot of people miss it, you know, uh, but it's definitely always about continuing to grow and, and, and learn. And if you're on that trajectory, you know, life's a lot of fun because it takes you into new, interesting places all the time. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, is is there like is there like some kind of message or something that you've learned in your life so far that you would want to that you think would resent like resonate really well with people who are who are maybe in that entrepreneurial or like goal uh focused mindset yeah definitely you know said so i'm I'm that typical kid uh my parents had a combined income of fifty grand. Uh, growing up, right? So it's like we really had nothing. We we're always quote unquote financially embarrassed. Um, and that was 50 gross. So then you, you take that away as far as net, you're probably looking at like 34,000 with three growing boys in California. And so That's it was right. hard. You know, it, it was like it was, um, it was tough growing up. And so the one thing that I learned how to do was one, to be grateful for everything that I had, which is what I tell everybody. And then the second thing I've always learned how to do besides being grateful is just take risk. 
Like I just always took risk. I, I knew that I had to get out of my situation. So I took a risk of moving to San Diego with a thousand dollars to my name. And then, you know, like I left a couple of jobs. I have to six figure paying job, took a six figure pay cut, moved to Georgia on a, on a, on a hunch that I could double my, uh, my income. I tripled it and Texas, same thing. I moved here on a hunch, on a whim. And so I've taken big risk with me and my family with moving cross country twice, starting new industries, starting new careers. And it was terrifying. It was terrifying because I remember what it came like to come from nothing. And some of my friends that came from nothing is still have nothing because I never took any risk. So I tell everybody like, just walk through your fear, embrace your fear because your fear is your North star. That is pointing you in the right direction. If your gut's telling you not to do something, that's telling you because you should do it. It's your ego telling you not to do it. So I just tell everybody, embrace your fear, overcome it, walk through it. And man, the rewards you reap on the other side are beautiful. Yeah, I feel like there's. I've heard a saying where it's like uh, fear and uncertainty is where your uh, like your goals or accomplishments lie. Yeah, hundred percent. Wow, I mean that was, that was a great message. Um, it, do you have any? Do you want to share your social media? I mean, we'll we'll also include it in the show notes, of course. But um, I know you you mentioned a few of your few of your uh, projects and your companies. So do you want to maybe include it in here? Oh yeah, thanks, thanks, Amit. Yeah, I mean, you you can find me at Tizer Evans anywhere, um, and and there's not very many Tizers, so <laughs> pretty pretty easy to find uh, Tizer Evans anywhere. Instagram, probably where I'm most present, and then my, my podcast uh, is Grind Cell Elevate, and you'll hear me talk chatting there just like this with with great people about different types of stuff in business. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. I think this would be a good point to wrap. Um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate right. it. Yeah, you know, this was definitely a good episode that I feel like the listeners, if this is something that they're interested in doing or making positive, just general positive changes in their life, this is definitely a good episode for that. So really appreciate it. I'm glad we got to network through Audrey. Uh, shout out to Audrey. Um, and uh, yeah, you guys know where to reach us. Black Box Podcast, no A in the black on Instagram and Twitter. Black Box Podcast with an A in the black on TikTok. You can also reach us via email at blackboxsubmission at gmail.com if you have any feedback or episode recommendations. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Peace.